at least now we know why you're not going to win in 2017. It's got to be yeah, a relief yeah. to know that out of week one. All right, welcome in, everybody. It's the Important Nonsense Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Bonham. You can find me online at nonsense underscore Steve. Of course, you can find my co-host at nonsense underscore Neil. We had a rough weekend between the two of us. I mean... I we want my sad line geared. of music back, all right? I we want were it back. all geared up for the start of the NFL season. It's supposed to be an exciting time, and my team looked off the whole whole weekend. I ended up losing both games because Kobe Fleener, of all people, causes me to lose on Monday night. Professionally bad at football, Kobe Fleener causes me to lose a game, so I'm 0-2 between my two leagues. And Neil got a huge victory, and then... Two major losses off the field. So, I mean, well, Neil, a, a, an owner of David Johnson and Danny Woodhead, so his running back situation is just all kinds of great after we. Oh, yeah, won. I own David Johnson across multiple formats. Like, yeah. I, I own David Johnson a lot because I have for a long time because I'm in several leagues where I'm able to keep him. So it's, uh, it's all it all, and, it's all bad. And then the games in general. Like, the, uh, look, it's. We love NFL, and uh, it was great to have football back, but it just did not look great out there this weekend. It was sloppy play, and no team was really clicking on any front. We, of course, all saw the Kansas City thing happening, so that, I mean, that was easy to oh, predict, yeah. that sure. happening last week. America Thursday, was so. so right on that, and the picks can pick them, but, you know, yeah. 100%. They're like the one team that actually came out and looked competent, and, uh, <laughs> you know, that's... Wow, it was interesting. That's, mm-hmm. Yeah, Alex Smith running four verticals down the field this season. Exactly. That's gonna that be, that's gonna, that, we all had it pegged, right? That Alex Smith was going to put up a 45 in the Golden League, yep, comfortably on the waiver wire, so it benefits no one. Yeah, and on most waiver wires, it, it, it was just bad. This to me is just the biggest indictment of the preseason and how yeah, the NFL fair. needs to wake up and understand. Like I know that they're making money and it's all about money, right? With the owners and that's how this whole thing works. It's that's got, it's got to change because basically no one plays in the preseason anymore because of fear of injury. So the first four games of the NFL season are basically the preseason now. Yeah, and that's, then people get injured in the first because they didn't play through the preseason. Yep. So it's just uh, everybody wins. In that it's regard. almost like football is a dangerous game that you could get really hurt playing. That's crazy. That that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, <laughs> Not according to the NFL, but you know, maybe anecdotally. Take away my bye week. I want to play 16 games in a row. The football preview. Halfback passes to center. Back to wing. Back to center. Center holds it. Holds it. Holds it. No, not that football. Oh, the Denver Broncos. Yeah, that's the one. You just don't understand football. News. Good news, everyone. Read all about it. And stats. You need to win. You play to win the game. On the Important Nonsense Podcast. So one of the major headlines of the weekend, at least, you know, from my chair in my living room, was that Deshaun Watson got on the field for uh, <laughs> for the first time. Neil, we were watching the games and... Uh, it was into the end of the first half, and I was going boo, put in Watson, yeah. just because you know it was the first half of the first game. And sure enough, out of the out of the tunnel at halftime, here he comes. He looked pretty good, moved around a bunch, was uh was pretty productive on the field. He had a couple of bad plays, uh, but so did the entire Texans offense and team in general. That game, they looked bad, not nearly as bad as Cincinnati looked. But still bad. And of course, the tradition continues of horrendous Thursday night football games as we open up our game previews with Houston in Cincinnati. Pigskin Pick'em from last week currently. Superfan Brian, as always, finds a way to predict all the NFL games correctly and can't translate it to fantasy football. One of these years, he's going to figure that out. No, he should just bet on like actual sports betting. Because he would be making so much money if he was just getting into straight straight win loss, just taking the odds on these games straight. Because he's what is he? Is he over fifty percent? Right, lifetime I would oh, have yeah. to imagine For against sure, them yeah. easily, comfortably. So he's making money. You know, he's making money at this. 
No, he needs to go through and predict all the games in the preseason and then say, okay, I want the exact opposite of everything I would normally take in fantasy football. And there he's got it. (laughs) Ah, the George Costanza approach. I see. If all my natural instincts are wrong, the opposite must then be correct. So he's got nine, Matt and Kevin in second with eight, and you and me bringing up the rear at seven. So stellar start all the way around. For the two of us, it's been a banner year already. We got like less than 33%. I wanted to just beat my head <laughs> on the desk. I've, I don't can't remember a time when I've ever been more wrong on like week one. It's so well, bad. Like, a, like we always say, it's the hardest, most unpredictable week of the entire season to try to project because you never know. So uh, that being said, we're starting our pigskin pick em for this week, as I mentioned, with Texans and Bengals. News of note was Watson getting in. He'll make his first career start. We found that out yesterday. He's hobbling around on an ankle. So, I mean, bum ankle, rookie QB. Uh, and with no Dwayne Brown out there still with his holdout, that offensive line is not good at all. They're ranked 29th in the league. Which, Dwayne Brown made I mean, himself so much money by not playing yeah. in that game. When Dwayne, Ra- think about this: when Dwayne Brown plays, they're the number ten rated offensive line in the league, according to Pro Football Focus. And when he's out, they're number twenty nine. So number one, that tells you two things: number one, Dwayne Brown is really, really good at his job and deserves to get paid. Number two, it tells you just how bad that the Seahawks and Vikings lines are to be below that line of the Texans right now because that was that was a poor performance they put on out there. He's going to get so paid because of that. That was the best career movie ever made was to just not go to work that day. Just as nope. I said, it's it, there's it, on a short week there's no way anything happens this week. Would not shock me in the least if we get news Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon that he's coming back for the following game the following week has a full week of reps and prep and everything. That being said, the question is, how does it affect the offense with Watson compared to what we saw with Savage? My thought and answer would be, somebody has to run for their life. (laughs) Tom Savage was just standing in the pocket and holding his own, but he was getting killed because nobody was blocking for him. So you need somebody that can be mobile and run for their lives, and that is Deshaun Watson which kind of scares me knowing that he's already going into it with a bum ankle. It, yeah. it could spell disaster for him and this whole offense. This was my note to you for this game was, does this matter for Deshaun Watson? Is it good for him to be playing this soon? You know, take the ankle injury out of it. Obviously that tilts it significantly yeah. because you don't want him out there. if He's even remotely hurt, but th- the whole plan was to get him to kind of learn how to play NFL football here a little bit on the sideline and then come in, you know, once he's got a handle and playbook and what to do. And now I like the way you put that because that's kind of what he's being told to do by Bill O'Brien is, Hey man, uh, Savage can't go out there. Cause he's going to, he's going to just be dead. He's going to be a vegetable. He can't run away. We can't pass protect for him. So you have to go in and your job is going to be to run for your life. Congratulations. I'm glad <laughs> that's, I know it's what you signed up for. So I got to, does that make you super nervous about just his career? No. Because he, look, we've said this all along, it's the same thing with Paxton Lynch in in Denver. Part of the issue with Paxton Lynch is he's not understanding it, he's not getting it, but he's also not getting any playing time to to be thrown into the fire and see what you actually have. Him sitting on the bench isn't doing anything for anybody. With Watson, there's no clear-cut guy in front of him. Uh, Sitting there and learning the playbook is one thing, but to have actual defenses scheme for you to read that defense, to understand the situations and adjust, you have to learn all that as you go. You know, look at Goff. Goff was horrendous last season, and everyone said this year he's a completely different guy. He's made that second-year leap, and, you know, we saw how good he looked in the preseason and, and again in week one. So you would much rather have him get his reps in and be playing for this team under center than sitting back and holding a clipboard. But it is, like you said, the ankle injury that, that makes you hesitant because you don't want to don't want to risk hurting him, and then he's on the bench because he has to be. That being said, they're playing the Bengals, who, as <laughs> I've noted to you several times, that Baltimore-Cincinnati game was one of the worst games of the weekend. It was twenty nothing Baltimore, and if you're just looking it was at one the, of the box worst score, I've ever watched, and actually, you're just looking time. at the the stats and the score, you're saying, oh wow, Baltimore went out there and killed them. 
let me be very, very clear about this. Baltimore did not win that game. Cincinnati lost it. Yeah. Like, we're talking about, can Houston win the game against Cincinnati? Can they get enough turnovers? And when you go back and look at the game film, it's literally Andy Dalton looking into the defense and saying, oh, hey, purple jersey, have a ball, and just throws it right into the numbers of the Ravens defenders and just lets them run down the field for touchdowns. It is not a matter of can Houston get turnovers. It's how many will they get? How many points will the defense score? And I'm, the, I can, uh, here's my bold projection for the game tomorrow. Are you ready? So yeah. Houston's offense will put up zero points and they'll win the game 30 to nothing because Andy <laughs> Dalton is just going to give the ball away at every opportunity he gets. So pigs can pick them. I am taking the Houston Texans. Yep. Okay, well, okay, that's the least shocking thing ever. Anyone who <laughs> well, listens to this show regularly, just, you know, if, yeah, if you're ahead, new to the show from PF, call me again, a homer. Get used to it. No, I am going to call you a homer, and then I'm probably going to do the same thing. Go but ahead. all I was going to say is, Andy Dalton looked like crap in the beginning of that game, obviously. And the middle, and the end, and the post-game press conference. By the end, what was happening was the Ravens were just pinning their ears back and just blitzing him all day. So he had at that by that point it was like the jaws of life closing in on him because he was getting strip sacked from behind and fumbling it all over the place. And so there's there's as we all know there's good Andy Dalton and there's bad Andy Dalton. Good Andy Dalton shows up and throws like five touchdowns and has a 35 in fantasy. We've seen that we've seen that happen before. And there's bad Andy Dalton who you saw you know the last week. So just a question of will bad Andy Dalton show up two weeks in a row? And uh, I think on a short week coming back after playing a horrendous, horrendous game, that he's primed and locked to go out and play another horrendous, horrendous game. Yeah. And I'm going to take the Texans. It's not gonna, it's gonna, this is going to be one of the ugliest games of the year. Oh, it's there will be, be no offense to be and had. As a in Texans game. fan, I know it's going to be brutal. And, again, I made the comment to you last week, it was so weird because it was a 1 p.m. Eastern game between Cincinnati and Baltimore, and it was a CBS game. It was just middle of the afternoon on Sunday, and Andy Dalton looked horrendous. And I said, it's so odd, because typically, when he's this bad, it's prime time. It's Monday night, it's Thursday night, it's Sunday night. It's some game that's on the national showcase, and that's when he usually craps the bed. So now we're on Thursday night football. You forgot the most important one. It's a playoff game. Those are the other ones. Well, yeah, the two playoff games he's had in his career. I didn't remember that, sorry. So yeah, hey, I mean, you lost you them both like a true like a true like a true native son. <laughs> so you would have to imagine he's back on prime time. Here comes Bad Andy again. All right, next game up on picks and pick'em starting our Sunday early afternoon games is Buffalo at Carolina. Is there a- even anything really to mention here? Because look, it's obviously start your Panthers because yeah. the Bills are are not great. Uh, for anyone that did check out the column I had earlier this week about the waiver ads, Tyrod Taylor is a sleeper guy you need to have on your roster. You should have picked up. He should have been drafted, frankly. Yeah, exactly. The fact that he was like, still out there is pretty shocking. The floor so, with Tyrod Taylor is so attractive that I, he's such a great filling. With, with how bad that defense week. is, it's just... It's impossible to think he's not going to have value on a week-in and week-out basis. Charles Clay was another one I had on that list. So uh, if you haven't checked it out, please go do so on importantnonsense.com. It's under the waiver section. And again, it's 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 obviously the Panthers and Pigs can pick them. Like I said, I'm just trying to yeah, figure out here Panthers. if there's anything to uh, to actually analyze about this game. No, there's, a, there's nothing to analyze. There's just one note that I have, which is, Looks like Mike Tolbert's the new handcuff to LaShawn McCoy. Yeah, but I don't know if I want that. That's I don't thing. know if I do either, but I'm only, I only want it if I'm potentially the LaShawn McCoy owner. He only has value to that specific person, maybe, depending on how your roster is constructed. That's the only note I had, and it's not much of a note. <laughs> but even then, the, the issue with that is, if something were to happen to McCoy, it's the same thing like with Gillisley. Gillisley was not the every down back. They mm-hmm. split it. He was still the vulture, and they were giving yeah. it to other guys. I don't think they would actually make Tolbert the guy. That's not what he's done in his career. He's just a goal line vulture. Yeah, but I think that role would get expanded. I think he'd be the between the twenties back, basically, which he is not now because he's the he's the guy that comes in when Lashawn McCoy needs a break. 
Yeah. So I think if McCoy was to go down, he would he would elevate into full time Mike Gillisley role, which is the between the twenties running back on a team that has the most running back touches in the league. I guess I just I feel like if something were to happen to McCoy, though, I've never been a big handcuff guy. But if something were to happen to McCoy, I feel like I could find someone better than Mike Tolbert. Potentially, but if Mike Tolbert's getting 12 to 15 touches a game and they're all in the red zone, he only has to convert two of them. Right. Is my argument. So it's like, okay, that guy's going to have value at some point. You might be able to find better on the waiver wire. You might not. <laughs> Running back is already getting to be a wasteland. <laughs> it's week two. And it's week two. Uh, next game up is Chicago at Tampa Bay. The uh, the Bucks coming off their uh, extra bye week. They're, this is their season opener. Before 16 in a row, so they and finally the got a week baby. to train Just without. Right down the uh, exactly, they finally got a week to train without hard knocks. There, uh, the Bears. You know, the one talked about running back already starting to be a wasteland. The one running back uh, positive note of the weekend was Tariq Cohen coming out of nowhere. The pick that I absolutely dogged and bashed coming out of the draft turned out to be really good for Ryan Pace. Give him credit; he knows what to do with those late round running backs. Turns out, if you can do a backflip and catch two footballs, that maybe it does actually translate to an actual NFL game. Who knew? Doesn't make sense, but apparently so. Um, so Tariq Cohen had a huge week. He was uh, near the top of the waiver pickup ad list that I had out there. He was also one of the top pickups in uh, fantasy football this week. No, not surprising at all. My note was simply that he looks like he's going to have a Darren Sproles-type role in this offense, something that... The Bears have been trying to do for years. At one point, it was just Matt Forte all by himself. It was at one point that it was Jaquiz Rogers for like a cup of coffee. Yeah, you know, for like three games. Yeah. And but yeah, I, it's, it's they've cup. been trying to do that, <laughs> but Langford couldn't catch the ball at all, which is how Howard yeah, got so no. much run. And now it's, Jordan Howard has had issues catching the ball as well, but he runs it really effectively. So by having He's the two of them work together, it's uh it's really an interesting tandem they have going there. It's a it's a one two punch. I feel like this whole situation may slip into a Cincinnati type area with the Jeremy Hill, Giovanni Bernard that we've dealt with for years, yep. where you've got the clear third down pass catcher in Cohen and then the first and second down back in Howard. They've come out and said they want to get Tariq Cohen twelve touches a game. They've publicly said they want the ball in his hands. So if you're running back desperate, that's... Yeah, running back is a wasteland. Guy's getting 12 touches a game. You can't ignore it. No, he has he has the upside also at any given time with the ball in his hands. Kind of like, if you want to remember Jamal Charles, like the first year of his career when he was just coming in for like spell work. But anytime he gets the ball in his hand, or even C.J. Spiller, the first like year or two of his career when he had that extreme speed... He was not getting very many carries, but anytime he gets the ball in his hands, he can just take it to the house. Just don't get fooled that the Bears might actually be a competent team, because again, it was week one, so everybody over-prepares, over-preps for, for week one. Don't get fooled into thinking they're actually good at football again. It's just, I mean, you and me grew up in Chicago, Bears fans. We, we, we watched the Bears go to a Super Bowl. Over a decade ago, but still, they went to yeah, a Super Bowl. Uh, I remember it. <laughs> dominated on defense for basically our whole lives until recently. And then to just hear the media reaction of that game, and it's like, oh, well, all the Bears, they looked competent. Oh, look, do you see they tried? It's just sad. It's just really sad to see where, where the, the state of the franchise is. How far, how far they've fallen. Gave up a good effort, guys. Yeah. In 12 Everybody years, tried. I can go from the Super Bowl to, like, an actual joke team. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, kind of like the Raiders did. Yeah. yeah. At least the Raiders are on their way back up again, though. Yep. So uh, we'll see you in another 20 years, and then we'll be <laughs> right back there with you. Right. Speaking Pace, of teams that junior. are uh, just living in a dumpster fire, the Cleveland Browns travel to Baltimore to take on the team that was once the Cleveland Browns and the Baltimore Ravens. As I already mentioned... Also, the Ravens used to be good. Yeah, the Ravens were hot garbage. Do not get fooled by that score, that box score. The the Bengals lost that game. By no means did the Ravens win it. Joe Flacco was missing wide open passes. The running game was inefficient after Danny Woodhead left. It was just not good 
at all from the Ravens. Didn't like anything I saw from them one little bit. Danny Woodhead, a.k.a. Mr. Glass, a.k.a. Football Jesus, that's a note for anybody who played man with us, is out for probably, they're saying, four to eight weeks. It's the timetable. Uh, all that that really does is mean Terrence West has slightly more value and Buck Allen becomes rosterable, but as someone who's owned Buck Allen in the past, good luck with that. I wish you, I wish you well. Watching him, no, thank you. Drop passes and fail to gain yards on open lane. He's terrible. No idea how he's still on that team. And because uh, they yeah. have literally no one else at this point. But the good news is for anybody who has Danny Woodhead, unlike David Johnson, who <laughs> we'll get into that, <laughs> you will probably see Danny Woodhead back on the field for the Ravens and playing meaningful football, probably hopefully again in fantasy even this season before the playoffs and all that. So that'll be, that'll be, that's at least, it, at least he didn't tear it. That was what everybody thought happened instantly. Uh, for the Browns, Kaiser looked good in his you know first week. I mean, again, it's the Steelers on the road. So everybody's saying that that was just going to be a huge blowout. It's, you're not paying attention. It's the Steelers on the road. They don't, they don't blow teams out. And we we called that, too, that it was going to be a close, nail-biting, field-goal difference game. And sure enough, 21-18 was the final score there. Yeah. But Kaiser looked at least competent, which is not much you've been able to say about Brown's quarterbacks in the last few years other than Cody Or even Kaiser, Kaiser in college. Still, so. <laughs> still vanished. If you've seen Cody Kessler, please call the hotline. Let us know where Cody Kessler might be. We are very concerned about it. The him. milk cartons aren't working, clearly. The, the milk cartons just clearly are not efficient anymore. So yeah, maybe they should put it on monster cans. That might do it. Or can you get it onto the side of the milk jug? Or would that just rub off? It's, I, don't I don't know. The condensation okay. might not help well, that. So we'll really, have re- we'll have to investigate that. So far, you are at, you and I are in total agreement, right? Because it's Cincinnati, Carolina, Tampa Bay. We've all got mm-hmm. the three. And then do you also have Baltimore here? Uh, yes, I also have Baltimore. I also have Baltimore here at home. So yes, that and literally it's only because at home it's Cleveland, and they're playing Baltimore in Baltimore where they. I don't. don't I don't care that it's Cleveland. I think Cleveland actually might be a better team than the Ravens. They might be, honestly. but they just never win in Baltimore. But like it's they just, have yeah, this horrible thing yeah. where they can't win in Baltimore specifically too. Like it just they're so bad at it. So yeah, no, no, I don't want that. Even give me that's gonna be a horrible game too. That game is gonna be. Don't watch that. Remember the game? It was the game between the Browns and Ravens last season that the Browns were up by 20 points and blew the lead. Yep. So, and that was in like week three or four. Sure. So again, also, times is, when they've played the Ravens is when they like failed that kick completely and the guy ran it back with no time left. That was like two years. Like, there's just a whole sea of horrible Cleveland at Baltimore. Baltimore game. Don't don't. Smart money's not on Cleveland in this. <laughs> Even though they probably are a better team at this point. Maybe uh, Tennessee going to Jacksonville. The Jags lost star wide receiver Allen Robinson for the year. Blake Bortles giving him a good old pat on that injured knee right before he left. <sighs> going to the IR. <laughs> it bumps up Marquise Lee and Allen Hearns slightly. Allen Hearns, I guess, technically becomes the number one, but Marquise Lee was already the number two wide receiver there. Really. Say his full name, former Bolitnikoff winner Marquise Former Bolitnikoff winner Marquise Lee had surpassed Allen Hearns on the depth chart, not only in my mind, but also in terms of targets, yardage, uh, receptions. Name a stat, and he passed Allen Hearns in it, except for drops. Alan yeah. Hearns still had him in drops. Marquise Lee is a better player than Alan so Hearns. He's got is basically, that. is basically what's going on. Marquise Lee is better than Alan Hearns. So we last are. week, Lee really didn't get into the game much simply because of the game flow, everything that was happening with that. They were up by a lot. So Defense was too busy steel piping Houston's off. <laughs> yeah, I mean, once they took a lead, Doug Marone was not lying. They took the ball away from Blake yeah. Bortles and just said, here, give it to Leonard Fournette. You yep. never touch the ball ever again. So with that in mind, it's tough to buy into the receiving core. We've said that all preseason, all leading up to this. Until Bortles is not the quarterback, it's tr- it's really tough to trust a pass catcher there. Yeah, even with Allen Robinson on the team, it was still iffy, you know? This is also a harder game to pick, though, because there aren't very many notes on Tennessee. We, we've been saying all along, it's very consistent, that Tennessee, we expect to struggle early. You got a lot of new toys to try and figure out how to get it all going. And they looked off. Like, Eric Decker didn't look like he knew what he was doing. Or Mariota didn't look like. For everything to come to – that defense is still bad. 
and for everything to come together and mesh and them to really take the step that they need to offensively, it's going to take a while. And I have, I as much as I don't like Blake Bortles, I've got Jacksonville here winning this game at home. So do I, because it's the home. It's the home one. Talk to me again when they right. go to Tennessee, because I don't think they're going to be as fortunate in Tennessee. But yeah, I've got Jacksonville grinding this game to a halt, basically, because mm-hmm. their defense did look for real. I yeah. mean, Mariota is significantly better than anything Houston's got, at least at this point. But they look so out of sync that I think Jacksonville, with that, if, if Jacksonville's defense doesn't get hurt throughout the year, if they can stay away from injuries, man, they might they might be able to actually do the strategy that they want to do, which is just we're going to play defense the whole game and we're, and then Fournette's going to have 30 carries. And that's going to be the day. And then Bortles will have four pass attempts if, if Marone has his way. Next dumpster fire of a game we're going through is Arizona at Indy. The biggest uh, the, dumpster fire. <laughs> the the yes. big news of note is obviously David Johnson. It, it affects so many people, so many leagues. And, I mean, not only just from the David Johnson note, itself just david johnson specific owners but as i've said time and time again the the offense runs through him and oh yeah the, it's his last team week, now i mean they gave it to him. carson palmer didn't look great by any stretch that's of the imagination kind. that's being yeah. kind okay he looked horrendous and thank you he looked done with frankly. david I, johnson I, I to, out I, walk some stuff back here. <laughs> I mean legitimately with david johnson out and no surefire run game if I'm a defensive coordinator, I'm rushing three, oh. and I'm putting eight men back, <laughs> yeah. and I'm saying, here you go, Carson, throw it. Please, throw the ball to me, and let someone try to run the ball against me. And until one of those backs proves it, they're just never going to let him pass the ball. So it downgrades John Brown, it downgrades Larry Fitzgerald, and I don't think you were really taking anyone else out of that passing game anyway. But, I mean, do any of those new guys there now, Kerwin Williams, Chris Johnson, Andre Ellington, are you interested in any of those guys at all? Kerwin Williams, I guess, but not the price that people seem to be willing to pay for it. Yeah. I think a lot of people here, Cardinals starting running back is now Kerwin Williams. And I get it because running back thirst is a real deal at this right. point, and it's week one already. So I get it. I get it. It's any, any guy who's going to be the starting running back in any football team at this point has value. And so, at this point, it's him. anyone against Indy. So right, and this, that, that's the other thing. That's the weak. That's the short term thing. It's yeah. more like the short term analysis is yeah, get Car- get Carl Williams going to be running back help and play him this week because mm-hmm. they've already said he's going to be the starter, which makes all the sense in the world to me because they re-signed Chris Johnson, but he hasn't taken a snap since camp. So I find it hard to believe that he's going to come in off the street and they're suddenly just going to give him the ball unless Kerwin Williams looks really bad. So and they've said he's getting the start. Uh, and then there's Andre Ellington, who will play, but they've already tried this a million times with Andre Ellington. We've yeah. all seen this movie before. I know what Andre Ellington is at this point. He's, you're not going to try and, you know, hoodwink me into suddenly reversing my position and saying Andre Ellington is good at football, because it's not true. He's they, so he's, bad not, at running back, they tried to convert him to a wide receiver. Multiple he's times, just, and he can't do that either. not good at He's aggressively mediocre. He can, he'll play third down. I guarantee it. he's going to be out there in a lot of those third downs. So, because he's their best pass catcher at this point. For this week, I love Kerwin Williams. Great, great idea. Even daily, potentially, depending on what they're going to tag him as the price point. You know what I mean? I don't know that right. yet. It's a little early. But the biggest thing with, with that is, if he looks bad at all, I could very easily see him getting sat down for Chris Johnson. Sure. And we've all seen that. Yeah, it could be a quick hook. Yeah. Right? For Kerwin Williams for the short term? Sure. But for the season, I may want to just start trying to hope for better options somewhere else. The other question I have is, what would you do with David Johnson? It's an interesting dynasty question. Nothing. Because to me, it's like nothing. There's nothing you can do. If somebody wanted to show up with like a first-round pick and some change to take David Johnson off your hands, would you tell him to pound sand? No. If someone's going to actually legitimately make you an offer like that for David Johnson, then I would take it. Because if you're going to be... that's the question. In the lottery next year, then I would rather have the the most amount of picks and the best position in the lottery to completely rebuild my team. Yeah, without David Johnson. The issue was, if David Johnson was going to be out until week 11, that's still kind of dicey. Maybe week 12, okay. They came out and said Christmas. 
Well, Bruce Arians said Christmas. Bruce Arians is probably the most honest coach in the NFL. Still not going by what the coach says. No, I hope you would have to be doing it for the future because the other side of that is, I mean, even though he's on IR, I could still keep David Johnson for next year. So he's pretty much not going to play the whole year because why would you bring him back? There's no point. Just deactivate him for the season. If you get to Christmas, like just deactivate him, just be done, and then bring him back next year. So at that point, he basically has fresh legs again. So would he not go right back to being the number one player in fantasy football? That's why you would have to give me a first-round pick. Because I'm giving you what will be probably next year, right back at the top of that board, David Johnson. Yeah, but I'm just saying that doesn't make any sense. No one would ever make that deal. Because yeah. what would be in it for him? Well, I get, I get I, yeah, because you can't keep him. Yeah. You'd have to have two first-round picks to swing that deal. And it would never work. So you'd have to have three to give me one. All right, well, there you go. So then what would you have to get then to get rid of David Johnson for you? It would depend on what my construction of the rest of my roster looked like. But literally the max anyone is going to give you is a two. Because if you get a, a two, then they can still keep yeah, him for yeah, a one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Right, so that's right. literally the max anyone is going to pay you for it. So if you want to get something out of it, if you're just looking to cash in and take something, then that's the way to go. If you're just going to keep David Johnson anyway, why do you care about being in the lottery? Why do you care about getting a top pick? Because that won't matter. You're going to burn your first-round pick anyway. Winning the lottery wouldn't matter. It, it just erases the whole season and kind of makes it irrelevant. That's the whole That's the whole conundrum. Right. Is what you do. You've got a guy who, when he's healthy, is, the, by most people's opinion, the consensus number one player in fantasy right. football, now hurt, on your roster... What do you do with that? So you would IR him and keep him for next year and then burn your first-round pick on him. You got nothing out of him this year, but that's you're not going to get anything for him. Unless we get definitive news that he's coming back in Week 11 and can help someone in a playoff run, you're not going to get anything for David Johnson on the trademark. Yeah, the only other way you could get anything for David Johnson is if you had somebody who was also potentially done who wanted to rebuild with David Johnson, if he were just done with it. But since you and I are saying he's going to be the number one, Right. football when he's back you why would you be done with it so yeah it's kind of a it's kind of a tough pill that's what i've been thinking about is well so how so how can you turn that into capital for this year and it's nearly impossible he's kind of just you're kind of just stuck even if he comes back in week 12 or 13 the the trade deadline is in week 10 so the only scenario i could see moving him since you're not going to know no one's going to give you a second round pick even because he's still going to be out, and you're not going to have a clear time frame by that time. So maybe you would get a fourth or fifth round pick, maybe, if, like you said, somebody was out of it and looking to have a player to build around, a keeper that they currently don't have. If you could get a fourth or fifth round pick because you already have Julio Jones, you already have Odell Beckham, you already have some other player you would burn in the first round anyway, or you already knew there was a scenario like last year where Le'Veon Bell had been traded for a first-round pick, so you knew Le'Veon Bell was going to be out there in the market, and you could potentially get Le'Veon Bell with the right. first overall pick if you were to get it and build around him, and then you just get a pick in the fourth round for David Johnson to, to help build your team around a different running back? Sure. Then I could see it. But if you're just trading him just to trade him just to get capital back I, I don't see that happening it's frustrating because you're in a dynasty keeper type situation where it's like well if i still want to try and get to the playoffs and do anything this year if you still think you have enough stuff you might want to think about trying to you know build something for it it's just no one's going to get you anything so right not a whole lot you can do you just kind of kind of eat it play daily i will say the last thing i'm gonna say on the cardinals i would downgrade everybody but I downgrade Larry Fitz the least because Larry Fitz will get his. Yeah, but typically they have a run game, though. That's the problem with that. We'll see. It's just this week is going to be hard to take any analysis away, I'll tell you that right now, because I bet you they're going to move the ball. Oh, sure. I think, I think you, you and I could move the ball. So it'll be – it'll be. I mean, it's – excuse the hyperbole. But, uh, but yeah, they, they should have no problem moving the ball. This is the other one where it's like both teams got to be looking at each other and be like, this is a get-right game for us, right? Right. We can them. Look how terrible they were last week. Yeah, Indy is a dumpster fire. It's they're so dumpster horribly fire. bad. Oh yeah.
Brian, dumpster fire, dumpster fire. We all said the Scott Tolzien experiment wasn't going to last very long, especially when they traded for Brissett, and it lasted about a half. So that was yep. nice. Uh, and, and that was so, too long. So <laughs> now, they have, have they announced a starter yet? I don't think so, have they? They're splitting reps this week, and they have not decided who the starter's going to be yet. So that's good, because this is totally not the preseason uh, yeah. NFL. So... Yeah, you do not want to own Colts, I believe, is the note that you were going to go with there. Yeah. Pretty blanket statement. Just run away from any Colt possible, because even T.Y., you love the talent, but my God, it's just, there's no way you can play him and count on anything. You can't. Brissette not until I not know Brissette's great. the starter. Not and until I know Brissette. If Brissette's the starter, we'll see. But with Tolzien, uh-uh. No, uh-uh. you just you can't trust it at all. Even Frank Gore, I mean, old man Gore behind that offensive line. That's the craziest thing of all time. Because Frank Gore played in with the Niners when they were bad and when they were good. When they were bad, they were bad. So he's been he survived terrible quarterback play in the past, but he couldn't he couldn't survive that. It's the line. That offensive line is just so not good. Ugh. It's that it's that and the fact that they, they know what's gonna happen because they're just the defenses are just standing there like we're gonna kill you. Like yeah. you just they have all the confidence in the world to just tear them apart. And it really didn't help that the first play he threw was a pick six. No. That that you really can't do any worse than that. <laughs> and then the reports that they're talking about Andrew Luck maybe out till mid October now, so it's it's all part of the Colts are a joke franchise and they've piddled away 20 years of some of the most elite quarterback play that you could ever have. If you gave those two quarterbacks to other teams, they'd have won 15 Super Bowls. Like it, it like it, in a row. It's it's just pathetic that they're they were what 13 and three, 14 and two, what something like that, and then Manning got hurt, and then they went one and 15 the next year, and everybody's like, wow, the Colts were really bad with uh, without Peyton Manning. And they got Andrew Luck, and then they went right back to the playoffs. And they, they were a good and competent team, and then Andrew Luck kept missing time. And now he's out, and there's no way they win a single football game until he gets back. Not Pretty one. much. Not a yeah, single game. I don't game. see how you're going to. I don't see how they're going to be, be able to win anything without Andrew Luck on the field. And if I'm Andrew Luck, who knows? He, his confidence may be shot. He may be furious at the Colts. I would be. Because how do you not get the man alive? Who do you have in this game? I have Arizona. Let's, let's, uh, so so they're not going to win so a single I. game. We co- I know. We just, we, we just covered it. I just wanted to stand it plainly for the record. We both have Arizona, and we both are on record. As neither one of us thinks Indy's capable of winning a game without either luck at this point. Yeah. So it's going to be a long season. So Philly going to KC this week, who looked red hot in the season opener, and they're the subject of this week's Under the Microscope. Under the microscope. A microscope is an optical instrument used to magnify objects. Under the microscope. Simple as they are, the microscope is no toy. Under the microscope. Into the friendship zone. Under the microscope. So this week's Under the Microscope is all about... The overreactions from week one, don't get fooled, don't be sucked in to the ridiculousness that happens in week one. Teams have all off-season, all preseason, OTAs, training camp, to prepare for this one game on their schedule, this one opponent that they've been constantly researching, planning against, so don't believe what you see. And the main thing here was Kansas City in general over the last three seasons, no QB in the league has a higher week one compared to rest of season differential than Mr. Alex Smith of the Kansas City <laughs> Chiefs in week one. Nobody. He dominates week one, kills uh, week one, and then the rest of the season is mediocre at best. <laughs> they lost Eric Berry, their star defensive hurt. player, the captain that of their really defense. Hurt. They then have Kareem Hunt, who looks great. And as I've said, we bought into him in the preseason. I had him ranked as my number 16 running back going into drafts. And 
I think he's a legit talent. There's no doubt about that whatsoever. The issue is, do I think he is top two or three? No, I do not. And when you look at the numbers over the last couple of seasons, again, through the past three years, the Chiefs running back, whether it was Jamal Charles, Sharkandrick West, Spencer Ware, whoever was their week one starter, averaging 20-something points a week, and the rest of the year averaging about 14 or 15. So again, a top three guy in the category of overrated in week one compared to the rest of the season. It's the entire Chiefs running back core. Do I think they're all going to blow up every single week? No. Do I buy into the Kansas City Chiefs being some spectacular team that's playing with a chip on their shoulder now that, oh, I'm going to change all my outlook for the entire season on the Chiefs? No. I had the Chiefs going 7-9 and because they're a mediocre team, and I'm 1,000% standing by that. So they're taking on an Eagles team that looked decent in Week 1. Part of that is the Redskins being bad. That's what I was going to get to, so you beat me to it. That, they at least the Redskins looked, decent. looked atrocious, though. The Redskins yeah. looked... Their defense looks Coltian, I think, might be the term. <laughs> like, that, that, it is that bad. It is, wow. Don't it insult is, me. It, it was bad. <laughs> it was really bad. Okay, so you're telling me that you know, Carson Wentz is going to do some more pirouettes and huck a 50-yard ball? <laughs> I, quite I have guy. told you I believe in Carson Wentz's ability. I believe in Carson Wentz's ability just not to do a pirouette every time. No, but I think that with that improved offensive line and the weapons they've put around him now, I think that he has a legit shot, like I said, to be uh, an interesting fantasy play for season long. And he was one of my pickups of the week. I think he's got a, a good shot to have another good week this week. Like I said, I don't buy the Chiefs at all, and I'm taking Philly in this game. Yeah, this is. I figured you were going to do that. I'm I'm sticking with the Chiefs because they're at home. They're going to play. This is the first big test for Philly. So I I, I appreciate what I saw out of Philly because their offense looked much improved uh, over what it was. So that's interesting. Their defense did look a little bit better too, but I feel like they got propped up a little bit because the Redskins played awful. So this is the first big test. Give me Casey in this one, but it would not necessarily shock me at all if Philly won that game. Next up, we have the Vikings heading out to Pittsburgh to take on the Steelers. I mean, it's Pittsburgh at home. So you will feel confident about the Steelers winning the game, but that Minnesota defense is... Still legit. They they did look good on Monday. I don't know if it was so much them looking good or or the Saints looking bad. Wh- which way are you going on that one? If the Vikings win this game, do we have to start taking it more seriously? There's a point counterpoint to that whole thing. So the one side is are the Vikings good, and the other side is are the Saints just horrendous. I'm leaning towards the Saints might just be horrendous. Now you were the one that was down on the Vikings in the preseason. I'm still kind of down on the Vikings. I mean they I were able to run the ball a little bit. The Vikings did look a little bit better, I will say, than I thought they would, because they actually were able to keep Sam Bradford upright, and he was throwing the ball seven yards as opposed to three. So if they're going to do that offense, it was much better, but I have concerns if they're going to play a real defense, because while Dalvin Cook's numbers at the end of the day look pretty good, they did not run the ball all that efficiently. So we'll see. They started hot last year, too, and then it all fell off a cliff. Yeah, there you go. You beat me to my point. The offensive line was not great. Dalvin Cook had a good night. He looked at least like he's going to be better than what they had last year with McKinnon and Asiata. So it's yeah. an at oh, least yeah. improved run game in that regard because you have a better running back. You have the pass catchers with Thielen and Diggs, who the two of them now have had a full year with Sam Bradford. He's had a full year in the system. But they started 6-1 and one last year, then lost 7 of their last 9 to finish 8-8. Eight and eight. They started red hot last year, and it's not like it was fluke games. Like They beat teams that they weren't supposed to, like the Panthers when everybody projected them high. They beat the or yeah, the Packers twice. They had a rough schedule at the start of that, and they still came out of it 6-1 and one at the get-go, and then it all fell apart for no apparent reason, losing to games, that losing to teams they really shouldn't have. So I'm making your own point for you. But my point was, I had them going 9-7 and seven in the preseason anyway. Right. I was never super down on Minnesota. I still think they're a decent enough defense and decent enough team 
Do I think they're good enough to beat Pittsburgh on the road though? And I don't. No, no. That this is my this is my thing too. I I've got Pittsburgh in this. This might actually be a very watchable and good game though. At least yeah. finally mm-hmm. a good game to watch. This next game is you know when you're playing Madden and you're like really upset for constantly losing like three, four games in a row. So then you turn it off all Madden and you put it on rookie. And then you're just sitting there just like lacing the ball in there and you end up winning like a 110 to 5. That's what's going to happen when New England goes to the Superdome to take on the Saints because they are just so angry about Thursday night last week. And they have had extra time to prepare for the Saints who are coming off a short week from Monday Night Football because that makes sense. And they are just going to go down there and bludgeon this team to death. So, I mean, obviously the defense is the one part of New England I'm worried about simply because they took so many injuries last week with the Saints passing offense at home in the Dome. Theoretically, they can put up points. Theoretically, I sure. Just, I mean, New England's winning. I've got that. That's that's a lock. Yeah, I've got New England furiously trying to yeah. pound the Saints defense, which I just watched get wrecked, absolutely wrecked by Sam Bradford. Yeah. If so, you're telling me Sam Bradford's going to beat the hell out of you, then give me, and you're going to take Tom Brady next? Lit them up like a Christmas tree two days ago. And now they're going to have to go try and play against Tom Brady. No, give me New England. and Yeah, if you want scoring, this is the game yeah, for you. There's going to be some I don't scoring. know if that defense is going to be right for the Pats, and this could end up being a high-scoring game. I'm not going to say shootout, but you could see the Pats winning this game like 45 to 28 or something yeah. like that. I could also see the Pats showing up and just annihilating them in every phase of football. The only other thing that I want to say before we move off this game is – Please go pick up Alvin Kamara as a public service announcement. Just please, just, you, you should just, if, if he's available in your league for whatever reason and you've got, and you need a running back, uh, it might be worth your time. It looks like he's going to play a lot of snaps for them. Uh, Sunday late afternoon, Jets at Oakland. So start your Raiders, every single Raider, even if yep. you've got the Raiders Marquette water King, boy. Even if you get, yeah. And yeah. Then, yeah if you play in a league with punters, Marquette King, get him out there. I mean, right. If you've got Jack Del Rio in the coaches, then get yeah, play Del sure. Rio for sure. Start their defense. Oakland doesn't even I mean, have a good defense. It's terrible. Yeah. Start yeah, it. Start, start the Raiders. They, they looked competent that. last week I mean, against Tennessee. They look pretty good. So Yeah, they look they look better than I thought they're they good, would. But they're still a good streamer not. defense this week if you're looking for a streamer defense. I mean, look, the Jets are so bad that Sebastian Janikowski is on IR, and I'm considering picking him up as my kicker because he's still going to yeah, get a couple – even when he's yeah. not playing, because the Jets are From just that bit. horrible. Yeah. So, and if you uh, like yeah, streaming that's... defenses, uh, by the way, check out my streaming defense article that's also available on importantnonsense.com, where I did, in fact, recommend the Raiders for the first three games of the season. Yeah, you weren't kidding, and this is it's it's panning out for you here. I put my money where my mouth is. I picked them up in the Golden League. All right, next up we got Miami opening their season on the road in the soccer stadium. Yes. In L.A. to take on the Chargers. So coming off of, uh, again, the extended by 16 straight weeks, here come your Dolphins. Uh, this is probably my toughest game of the week to call. We haven't seen Miami yet. You know what I mean? It's so hard. <laughs> Boy, this it's is a road game. Did the Chargers kind of early struggles give you any kind of pause no. at all? No. Uh, not me either, but I know some people were kind of backpedaling a little bit if they were on the Chargers. I'm not. I don't have them super high or anything, I, but I know you have them higher than me. I kind of expected them to struggle, frankly. Yeah. I mean, say what you will about Denver's defense; it's still pretty good. Is it the best defense in the NFL? Eh, it's debatable at this point, but it's still pretty good. So. Yeah, yeah they. I, I mean, they came out basically that on Monday night and got hit in the mouth. The game was about to be over in the third quarter. Well, yeah, they probably easily would have won that if Denver's offense wasn't so incompetent. Easily, handily won that game. In, like, the third quarter, it would have been all garbage time through the fourth quarter, and none of that stuff ever happens. The question is, can Miami hit them in the mouth and disrupt them again? That's that's the question that I've been struggling with, because Miami's got all that extra time to prepare. they got to watch them play Denver. 
but it's tough to want to take Miami because it's their first game of the season. So they, they could be all out of sorts. It's like everything we saw last week with teams struggling to click and, and figure things out in the first week. Everybody in the league got that out of the way except for Miami and Tampa Bay. Except, and Tampa Bay. That's why it's like it gives me a Miami little bit of pause. Miami has to play a real team. So, uh, I know. It's tough. Like, that's why it's yeah, tough. So I'm going like, to give the edge to the Chargers at, at home in their new stadium when about 2,000 people show up. Yeah. And then they say, this isn't soccer, and then they leave. They leave. Yeah. It's not football. You know what? I'm going to go with my gut, and I'm going to take Miami. I'll split it with you. All right, the Cowboys taking on the Broncos. I'll feel great about that one either. This is going to be – it's it's literally – I don't even have to say Cowboys versus Broncos because it's literally oh, Zeke versus the Broncos. We saw it on Monday night all over again. The story last year was everybody, oh, man, the Denver defense is so spectacular. Their pass defense is out of this world. You cannot throw the ball against them. Yeah, the no-fly zone is still in effect. Their run defense was atrocious last year. Yes, it was. It was terrible, and it doesn't look like it's any little bit better this year. Nope. So if you've got Zeke running through that off the defensive line behind that incredible offensive line in Dallas, he's going to keep getting tackled in the secondary 15, 20 yards up the field at a time. Don't be scared of, of the Denver matchup for Zeke. Just go ahead and throw him in there. You'll be fine with that. It's the uh, it's the pass catchers. It's Dak Prescott. Those are the ones you want to stay away from. If for some reason you have Stumpy as your tight end and Jason Witten and his bloody stumps are out there catching passes for you, what you're going to want to do is take him out of your starting lineup and 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 put him right in the in the waiver wire because you're just going to want to cut that <laughs> directly to the waiver wire. <laughs> Just pick up anybody off waivers, you'll be much better off. So yeah, it's the the biggest question in this game. Like Zeke's gonna go off. There's no doubt about that. The biggest question is, can Trevor Simeon look competent? Uh, the age-old question against the Cowboys. Uh, I mean, that's, they're terrible, that's his terrible biggest problem, defense. right? Yeah, I, this is a hard one to pick. I'm going with. I'm going with. Denver, you can call me a homer if you want, because I actually do think. Homer. Fine. I actually do think that they will look confident again against Dallas's defense, and I'm not. I'm, prove it to me again, Dallas, without with all your guys suspended and traded and gone. Yeah, I got Zeke just running for 400 yards, maybe 12 touchdowns, and I got the awesome. Cowboys winning that game. Awesome. Redskins going on the road to take on the Rams again in L.A. First time there have been two L.A. games since 1994. Everybody's hot on the Rams right now, and uh, we were on the Rams in the preseason. Cooper Cup, get him, start him, learn to love it, learn to learn to learn to love Cooper Cup because unless he gets hurt, he's gonna be uh, gonna be around. <laughs> like I said, I think he's gonna end up being the number one receiver on that team. Oh, but he might be. What do I? <laughs> he better. Hey. So yeah, still on the Rams. Uh, they look there. The defense has always been good. The offense is much more competent than it has been in years past and going up against as you said that terrible absolutely awful washington redskins defense i've got the rams winning this game at home but it's gonna be a shootout so i would start any starters you have on either team i avoid either defense in this game and play all my other starters uh this is the first big test for the rams because this is going to be a real offense unlike what you got to deal with last week where it was put on a plate for you and cut up and spoon fed to you so th- this is going to be a little bit trickier but from what i saw out of the rams i mean if that's the offense that you're going to run much improved over the last from the last few years san francisco in a division battle taking on seattle in seattle uh san francisco looked just as much hot garbage dumpster fire as we thought they were going to be coming into this season meanwhile the seahawks Boy, they didn't look great at all against Green Bay. In a matchup that they should have eaten up, it was just not good from uh, from their offense last week. The defense played really well, but I don't know. As long as the refs don't toss out any players for no apparent reason, I think their defense is going to be just fine. It all depends on, you know, what can they do in the running game and what is Russell Wilson. If, if he's not running... He's not really the player he needs to be. And if he's just going to sit in the pocket and take it, then 
I don't know what my outlook really you is. You can't sit in the pocket on the, with that O-line. Right. You, that O-line looks worse than normal. Like, it's always bad. That's how they always try and save money. And if they can't run the ball behind that O-line, they got all kinds of problems. Yeah, I'm taking Seattle, though, still. It's... So am I. Oh, obviously. No, it's It's, it's division Seattle. matchup, but it, yeah, and it's going to be close, but it's, still, but it's Seattle. still Seattle. And I think this is, I for them, Carolina it's the get-right game. Right. This yeah. is the get-right game. Yeah, you're going to punch San Francisco in the head. By the way, Eddie Lacy looks done. He looks terrible. I know it's week one, but he had three carries for five yards. He averaged 1.6 yards per carry. And, and he, he just wasn't horrendous. on the field. Yeah. He only played what, he one, was like nine or bad. ten snaps. He played seven snaps. And and when he was out there, he looked slow and fat. Even though he's not fat anymore. But he still looks slow. So, I don't know what's going on there. But they've already said they're going to try. They're thinking about if Thomas Rawls is playing like that, he might get the start, as in that. So, it just depends on uh, Thomas Rawls' ankle. Sunday Night Football, Green Bay going to Atlanta to open up the new stadium. I mean, do you want to defend your Falcons here? You want you want to go ahead and and back no. up the Falcons pick after they barely were able to beat the Bears? No, nope. You're gonna gonna nope. we're slowly on, we're on back away from that. We're on to Cincinnati. Austin Hooper is not gonna score an 88 yard touchdown every week. Now I hope he does. I hope I'm wrong about that. But all the math in the world that I've ever known <laughs> tells me that that's not gonna happen. And if the Falcons are just barely beating the Bears, go Bears! If they're going to stand any chance in this game, they're going to have to be way more efficient they're going to than have they to were be a better football team than they actually the are. ESPN has them projected super high. So we, we will see. And start your Packers. I'm not suddenly buying in on Green Bay's defense because they played one good game against the Seahawks' horrible line. Like, no, 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 no. Let's see now in this game against a team that has an okay offensive line that should be able to move the ball a little bit, a little bit better. We'll see how that secondary actually plays. I have Green Bay, though. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm taking the Packers as well. I don't feel good about it. Because normally I'll take the Packers later. They start off super slow, which is why I picked Seattle last week. And, but it's just the Packers are a significantly better team than the Falcons are. But we'll see. So, I mean, even though it's on the road in the new stadium, getting all jacked for all that, I think the Packers end up winning this game. I think it's a shootout. Because I don't think either defense is very good, so I think it's a high-scoring Sunday night football, which is always better than what we got last week. Monday night, Detroit heads to New York to take on the Giants. Lions looked decent in their game against Arizona, while the Giants looked like hot garbage. But I don't know that I'm necessarily buying into either result. Like I said, it's week one is fluky and crazy, and I know that that Lions defense is bad. I know that their defense is bad. Like, I'm not guessing on that. I'm not thinking, well, maybe they were... No, they're bad. They are a horrible defense. And the Giants offense just has not found a way to click. So so which one breaks here first? That's the real question. And I'm going to take the Giants. I really wish I knew if Odell Beckham was going to play in this game. If Odell was playing in this game, I'd give it to the Giants. Pretty, Pretty handily. Because that's how when when we'll see the Lions' defense get exposed. But if Odell's not out there, oh god! <laughs> like, if you get a, you get to watch that, you get to watch Eli run for his life again and forget that Brandon Marshall's on his football team. It, this is a tough one to call for me. Uh, <sighs> give me the Giants at home. Get right game. The uh, the NFL is all wrapped up, so now we're gonna go right into our Golden League preview. If you guys want to. Uh, Stay on and follow us. We'd appreciate it. If not, then please uh, be sure to check us out next week. Of course, you can follow us on social media, as always, at Nonsense underscore Steve, at Nonsense underscore Neil, and on the Fantasy Life app at Important Nonsense. So shout out once again to everybody out there. Thank you for listening, and let's go into the Golden League update. And now for something completely different. It's time for the Golden League update. Tariq Cohen. He's the hot name. He is the shiny new toy that everybody wants to have. Eight of the 12 teams put a bid in. But only one man was foolish enough to spend a quarter of his budget on it. And that's your reigning champion, Mr. Stevenson J. Flynn. 
goes all in on uh, Tariq Cohen, a, a man that already has three running backs, decides, you know what, I need some more shiny toys to play with. And uh, the rich get a little bit richer, Neil. <laughs> on paper, I mean, look, I'm not going to sit here and say that I didn't have a bid in. I had the second highest bid. Yeah. I decided he was worth roughly 20% of my fab budget for the season. But I also lost my two starting running backs, one of them for the year. Right. So you'll forgive me if I feel like I need to reach to get what might be one of the top five running back prospects that you'll see on the waiver wire all season. Right. He did it. He spent more than he spent almost was it it's probably close to twenty five or more percent more of his entire budget for the year to get the handcuff to Jordan Howard in his world. Because that's what that is. Because he already owns. Jordan Howard. I get it from the respect that if Jordan Howard, something were to happen with him, all of a sudden it's Cohen. The issue is, as we've said, his problem is not his starters. His starters are incredible. It's his depth. He's so thin everywhere that to add a fourth running back for a quarter of your budget. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for him. This this is the tough part, though, about managing that free agent budget for the year because you, you spend that much money now and you're expecting him to go to the playoffs and play all 16 weeks. It grades out to where you, if you wanted to spend it, you know, a little bit every week, it's about $11 a week is what you're right. kind of allowed to spend. And he basically chunked five weeks right there into, into one guy. So if three Cohen goes down to an injury or – drops off or something that's a big chunk of your fab budget that you might need to get defenses backups and improve across the board so it's bold outside of that brian was able to pick up andre ellington for some reason for the 34 fab dollars dollars and then uh lisa got alan hearns again for some reason uh the next up i spent nine dollars on kerwin williams just because it was interesting yeah, I thought about bidding 10, actually, and I ended up opting to go uh, with Chris Carson for 5. My whole thought process for that was I bid $9 each on Cohen and Williams. And I thought, okay, well, I'm sort of interested in both guys, and I had two open roster spots, so it was free, basically, to add them. I didn't have to cut anybody. So I, I was like, all right, well, I'll bid $9 on each guy. And... If somebody wants to bid double digits, they can half them. I don't want them that badly. It's not worth the extra dollar for me to pick them up. And nobody wanted them for more than five bucks. So I got Kerwin Williams. We'll see what happens with that. I'm not banking yeah. my whole future on it, but I'm going to start him this week against Indy. Yeah, against me. Against Everybody me. Against yeah, Indy. absolutely. Yeah, 100%. Not? Yeah, because it's David Johnson's replacement. He's going to have nine touchdowns against Indy, and then I'm mm-hmm. just going to quit playing fantasy football for real. Yep, he's going to retire. So, yeah. It's one of the, yeah, retired instantly. Yep, instant <laughs> Done. retire. Mm-hmm. I'm not going out to break the bank for current Williams. I'm certainly not going out to break the bank for Hamilton. No. Uh, yeah, and for the record, that's what I said. I was just I took a shot on Chris Carson for five bucks because I was like, you know what? I'm going to play quiz for the next couple weeks because he's got that job all to him to lonesome, and I'll roll with Terrence West. And if if in that time Carson would like to go ahead and take over that starting job in Seattle for me. Sure, it gives you time. It buys you time, if nothing else. If not, I mean, for five bucks, can I cut him? And who cares? Nothing other than the big one of note there, but it's just uh, the the first week of this fab budget is always the most interesting because people have so much money in their pocket, and it's interesting to see how many how many dollars they're willing to burn on uh, on people that flashed in week one. So the power rankings for this week: Flynn, no surprise, stays at number one after he beat Herrick pretty handily. Paul, after his victory over me, moves up to number two. You also moved up to number three, right behind him. Uh, you, after you beat Lisa and you were the high scorer of the week. Sandman moved up two spots to four. Brian down three spots after his loss to McCarthy at five. I dropped a spot to six. David Flynn up to seven. Kevin McCarthy moves up three spots from 11 to eight. Tony dropped two spots to nine. Herrick stayed at ten. Flynn Senior down to eleven, and Lisa at twelve. Our game of the week 
is you versus me, number six versus number three, and it's Commissioner Bowl. Yeah, it's it's the Commissioner Cup every year we do, and it's going to be interesting for us simply because it was a pretty even match before this happened, and now you're just so depleted at running back that I mean I still think it's going to be close. It, it just because of the matchups, it just all is going to shake out that you're going to beat me by 50 points because it's a week I feel like I might be able to beat you. That's always what happens. I have zero expectations anymore. Sure. It was it was a really good team on paper for a while there for that 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 uh, that 45 minutes <laughs> into the season. It was great. The good th- the one good thing about my team that I came out of the draft with in this league was I at least have a little bit of depth at running back, so that I can at least have Terrence West and Jaquiz Rogers for a little while. Because say what you will, it could be way worse. If I can steal one from you. It will do me a lot of favors, cause I, just based on how my schedule works. Yeah, but, like, I mean, look, to be fair, we've talked about this in the past. It's 2009, 2012, 2015, 2018. It was never going to happen for you this year. It was, you were going to lose this year somehow. We just didn't know how, and now we know how. Mm, at yeah. least at least we've cleared that up in week one. That no, it was a, see, a, a plague of injuries is yeah, what I gotta keeps somehow, you from winning this year. Until next year. I gotta somehow <laughs> rebuild this team NBA style and go to the playoffs at five and six. That's my only out here. Right, and then That's win what the I title gotta, that way. And then right. win the title. It's and then not, I'll break I'm telling my you, streak. it's just not gonna happen. Like if you want to make the playoffs to keep that streak intact, by all means go for it because it's an impressive streak. Uh, that streak, that streak can't end. But I mean, the, the, I'm just saying the title hopes. Just, we all know you're gonna win it next year, so we'll just I'll be ready for that. <laughs> I've already got that engraved on the side of the trophy. It's already. Oh done. yeah, okay, good. You already got yeah, that taken care of. It's the rule of threes, so yep. it's just we. At least now we know why you're not going to win in 2017. It's got to be yeah, a relief yeah. to know that out of week one. Like it had, yeah. it would be bothering you all year otherwise. So, but thus ends the saga of a very rough week one for me and Neil. So now we'll face each other in week two. One of us guaranteed to win at least. We, I mean, we got that. Yep, that is course, true. That so. is a fact. One of us will get a win in Finally. this game. Yeah. Yep. No, no, sorry. We'll tie. My bad. Mm, Never mind. The first Here ever decimal scoring tie? Oh, there yeah. Yep, that tie. actually would be Look the out. saltiest thing of all time if you and I tied. That would be yeah. That would be hilarious, actually. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Well, until next week, everybody, just keep up the nuts. Music for the Important Nonsense Podcasts provided by Lee Rosebeer, Lame Genie, and Tri Tachyon. Thank you for listening, and be sure to keep up with the latest content on importantnonsense.com.